0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Interaband podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore, and oh my goodness, it has been a busy week. First of all, let's talk about Londoner Maggie McNeil winning Canada's first gold medal at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Reporter Aisha Javade was actually able to get Maggie's former vice principal from Banting Secondary School on the phone for her reaction. She called it an amazing accomplishment, said she was so, so proud of Maggie competing at the Olympics. Of course, her whole team with the London Aquatic Club was watching out in Woodstock. I was watching at home and just seeing that delayed reaction to Maggie realizing she'd won was just so good. If you check out the full story on our website, you'll find out that Maggie rarely knows she's won until she hears that she's won because she doesn't wear her contacts in the pool, which makes a lot of sense. And that explains why you see her kind of shock at realizing she won that 100 meter butterfly race. Now she's not the only local who has been killing it at the Olympic games. Kylie Moss of LaSalle, Ontario, which is not too, too far from here, picked up the silver medal for her work in the 100 meter backstroke. At the time that I'm recording this podcast, which is around 11 a.m. on Wednesday, Canada has nine medals in total, all of which have been won by women, which we just love to see. There are a lot more Olympics still to go, so we're gonna be keeping you posted on all of the local talent that is shining on the world stage right now as it comes up. Also on our website right now is a story on a really cool opportunity for business students or just anyone interested in learning a little bit more about business. So starting August 4th, the local chapter of the International Institute of Business Analysis is going to be hosting a series of events that are free for students or anyone to access. The events are focused on helping students build their network, learn about industry trends, and hear from keynote speakers, including London Mayor Ed Holder, about a number of topics, mostly relating to transferable skills. These are all online, so you don't have to go anywhere. You can register right now for free, I should add. You can find all the details on our website right now. Now, let's get into our guest for today. She is a London-based nutritionist helping clients find food freedom, but she is not interested in dieting. In fact, she's hoping to tear down the negative ideas associated with diet culture and empower people to end the cultural obsession with food and our bodies. I think this is an important conversation to have, especially right now. Carrie Wilson,
1: welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hannah. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you for coming. We're so glad you're here. Maybe, can we just start with like a little bit about you? When and where did you start studying nutrition and how did you end up where you are today with this focus on body positivity and ditching diet culture?
1: Yes, certainly. I am a registered holistic nutritionist and registered nutritional therapist. What that really means is I spend a lot of time talking about food and feelings. And how people feel about what's on their plate and what's on their body. or what? Sorry, their body, not what's on their body. A little bit of that too. Um, I spent about 15 years working in social services. And I was completely burnt out and miserable and actually got really sick. And it led me down this kind of holistic path. And I went back to school. I studied at um, the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And I got my designation of holistic nutritionist there. I did some clinical work after that, and I really felt that, to be quite honest, as I was helping people with meal plans and their eating, I felt like I was prescribing almost disordered eating or giving out a roadmap to how to get a really miserable relationship with food and your body. I am a little bit of self-disclosure. I am in recovery from an eating disorder myself, and I had spent a long time on my journey kind of getting back to you know, a having a a healthy or a normal will call it relationship with food and body. And here I was in this nutritionist world, almost giving people, you know, information that was causing them to fixate and focus so much on what they were eating and how they were eating and counting in certain ways that it felt wrong and it felt, you know, unauthentic to me. So I went back to school and I did some more work with a um, dietitian to really get rooted in this non-diet, anti-diet world is what I call it. And also a bit of work with somatic experiencing, which is just a type of kind of a a therapeutic um, support to work on those emotions that get stored in our body. So it's been a long and winding journey, but really loving what I do and helping people come back home to their body and having that healthy relationship with food and body. So
0: what's maybe like the main difference between the approach of maybe a a more traditional nutritionist approach versus like your kind of more holistic, um, you know, less, less obsessed with the food part of it. What's like, what's the main difference there?
1: I think the main difference is really, it's about going internal versus external external so we spend a lot of time at least you know in my world it was uh, focused on you know diets and meal plans and weight loss and lifestyle changes and I'm saying air quotes around that one and that is all external validation of what my body needed or what our bodies need we're looking to somebody else to tell us how to eat and when to eat and what to eat the work that I do is really that kind of internal intuitive authentic journey of connecting back to your body knowing how to best nourish your body and what it needs we are all born intuitive eaters right babies cry and then you know a secure attachment kind of home they're fed and, and they're nourished and they're taken care of and they let their caregivers know when they're hungry we lose that somewhere along the way society social media you know mainstream media all have a lot to do with us becoming really disconnected with our bodies we start eating from the neck up we start eating from food rules and things in our head versus how our body actually feels. So I feel my approach is more holistic based in, in terms of, you know, it's really, it's that internal um, validation that we're seeking. We're not looking for that external piece. We're not working from any sort of food guide or um, meal plan structure, that sort of thing.
0: Well, and, and I mean, I think at this point too, we know that like those kinds of diets that are super regimented or, you know, that offer
1: those kind of quote unquote quick fixes they like they don't even work that's right they don't diets don't work because guess what hannah if they did there wouldn't be the next one right -hmm. yeah and there is always a a
0: new one isn't there
1: (laughs) there is there is It's a cycle and i talk a lot about that when i do any public speaking or in my practice right the diet like binge cycle is usually what it is right And we go through the the yo-yo and most people, by the time they land in my office, they are years and years of being stuck in this cycle and our metabolism gets confused along the way, right? It's a very cyclical, um, kind of toxic world to be rooted in.
0: Now, do you get many students that come through as clients?
1: So in the last year and a half, I guess, since, um, you know, the pandemic really entered our world my student and youth numbers grew exponentially. And as I know from, you know, people working in the the specialized eating disorder world and fields, the numbers, you know, have increased um, tenfold, I'll say, you know, like wildly increased. So my numbers on my end, working more from a disordered eating before they're really in that kind of medical diagnosis state um, have increased quite a lot so I am seeing students I'm seeing a lot of students that were perhaps living in residence so they were away from home living with their friends kind of on that campus world and then they went home Mm. and a lot of kind of food and body image issues really came to light for them when they were back at home
0: from like their families or people at home
1: yeah, yeah, wow. things were coming up and they were eating, you know, very differently, maybe when they were away at school, and then they get back home. And if they come from a familial environment that is very rooted in kind of that health centric, you know, weight loss in equals healthy world, mm. if we have a student coming back into that, you know, Um, environment who's been eating differently outside of home that they may feel pressure to kind of go back to those very specific regimented ways of eating when they've been kind of trying to listen to their bodies or they've been experimenting with food right our childhood experiences around food and body really imprint on us and really impact the way that we fuel our bodies well
0: and I mean that that first time away from home is like you're still learning how you want to eat or how you maybe want to approach your own body independently from, as you mentioned, those sort of like external factors. Um, and, and uh, these things kind of go in waves, right? So there's no reason why maybe your first time you're at school, you're eating differently. That could change down the line and maybe that's okay too.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, sorry, go ahead yeah, a lot of these students have felt, you know, some old shame and guilt surrounding their food and eating. Like I'm working with individuals who sometimes at home felt like they had to eat in secret and hide their food because they were made to feel that there was something wrong with their body or something wrong with their eating habits. So they move away to school and they're really trying to explore what that looks like. And sometimes that turns into chaotic eating because they have the access And permission to eat food where they may not have had at home. So then they're going back into that home environment that may have been a little bit dysfunctional for them surrounding food and body. And it's really opening up and triggering a lot of kind of deeply seated, um, limiting beliefs. Wow. It's,
0: it's interesting because I, and you know, I, I don't want to get like super personal or anything, but like, I, I kind of had the opposite thing happen to me where I went away for a while and I, I. I like, I lost a lot of weight cause I was honestly probably doing it in a not very healthy way, but I was trying really hard to be healthy. And I ended up losing weight sort of by accident. And I had a bunch of people say, like when I came home again and I saw family, it was like, oh my gosh, like you, you look amazing. You you look so good. I literally, people asking me how much weight did you lose? <laughs> um, you know, like heinous questions. And then over the course of the past year, I think like a lot of people, maybe that, that work had been undone and, you know, which is not the worst thing in the world. Um, But now there's like, there's almost like a fear in, Mm -hmm. if I have to see those people again, they, they told me I looked so good, or there was so much positive feedback when I, when I had lost weight. And now it's on the other side that like, now I'm, I'm afraid to hear what, what, even if they don't say anything, what they're thinking,
1: you know, I'm hearing a lot of this. Yeah. So what happens is when we are praised for weight loss, we're praised for that changing of our body that imprints on us that, oh, you know, a smaller body must mean something good, right? I'm approved, I'm loved, I'm worthy, I'm deserving of all of these things. So what happens if our body does change after that, we're left with the opposite feeling. There's something wrong with my body. So there's a lot of people right now that maybe their body's changed over, you know, the course of the last, you know, however many months. I've lost track now. that's okay right the fact that we've all survived and we're here and hopefully healthy that's what really matters but people have a lot of emotions coming up about going out and being seen again Mm -hmm. because there's this pressure that they need to kind of emerge in this you know societal expected body right and unfortunately society still pumps out deep and equals healthy thin is then is what everybody needs to be. So there's this pressure and if their bodies have changed over the pandemic, then of course there's all this anxiety of you know fear of rejection, right? They're gonna be hyper focused on any sort of changes that maybe the body has. If there's an old narrative in their mind about beliefs that they feel about themselves, that a larger body, right? That fat phobic kind of mentality, then they're gonna go out in the world or they're gonna avoid going out in the world. They're gonna cancel, you know, social events because they're scared of what other people are going to say.
0: Which I mean, after a year of being locked inside should be the opposite of what, you know, we should be feeling. I think, I mean, I, I feel that way too, the anxiety of re-emerging, but like, I know if anything, I have taken the outside world for granted and like, I, I would love nothing more than to travel or, you know, get out there again. But the, the, the body fear is like so real again. And I think that like, maybe that's, that's the point, I think for a lot of folks that it becomes no longer like, Oh, I'm just, this is just something I'm struggling with, but I can still, I can still cope. But like when you do start canceling or not showing up because of that fear, I mean, then it's inhibiting your life.
1: Absolutely. And I've been talking a lot with people, about exactly what you just said, like, let's talk about the things that you're missing you know, from that, you know, kind of pre COVID life, but that human connection is so missed, the ability to hug people and be close to people. And I've been really getting them to kind of think about that going into these situations, mm-hmm. you know, instead of comments on other people's bodies, which I am, you know, super, super against, let's mm-hmm. talk about maybe you got a new hobby during the pandemic, right? Maybe, you You know, I baked a heck of a lot of bread and then, you know, I got into some gardening and all of that stuff. Let's focus on those things versus what's changed about our body because our body is not a problem.
0: I think I want to talk about maybe the role that, that social media plays in this too, because it was interesting i was talking to one of our reporters Aisha Javed who people who listen will know she was on the podcast last week um basically she works at H&M on the weekends and like um, what they get right now is a lot of folks who come in and ask for specifically what they see on TikTok or mm. fashion trends that are driven based on what is popular on social media and like, I, I couldn't help, but think that this, this has to also be attached to, you know, body issues and body image, um, which is like what? crazy. Cause everything on there is, or a lot of it is just not even real.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Social media impacts us more than I think, you know, we even realize. So I grew up in a generation where there was no social media. So I think I'm even more kind of, hyper aware of it, because I, I didn't have this. And I'm raising children in a generation where they have access to anything at any time that they want to see. Mm-hmm. So they're taking in all of this, and I'm going to call it extreme messaging, yes. even when we're talking about, um, you know, food and ways of eating, like there was something that went viral on on TikTok with what I eat in a day. Mm-hmm. It's catastrophic. I can't tell you how many youth I've had in my office, that think that there's something wrong with their hunger, because it doesn't look like so-and-so on TikTok. So all of this imaging and messaging that we take in really impacts how we feel about ourselves and how we conduct ourselves in the world. Like look how quickly trends pick up, right? Like you're talking about that clothing or music, stuff that will go viral. Well, the same thing's happening with food and body, but the messaging is not the most supportive messaging that it could be. It's, Especially when it's really extreme about body size.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, those, those, what I eat in a day videos are interesting. Like I remember watching those years ago when I was on YouTube, like this is well before TikTok. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I had just, I just went plant-based and I was trying a a vegan diet, um, for like for moral reasons, more than more than like health related reasons. But I, I was watching the videos just to get ideas. Like I just wanted recipe ideas. But I do think that they've taken on this this shape, like you said, and maybe they even had them at the time, and I just didn't notice this like idea of this is how I need to eat in a day, and it's how you should also be eating, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a a very different tone and not as positive or helpful.
1: No, it's not. And if you're dealing with somebody that's already feeling shame about their body race, right? so I'm talking about all these students that were coming home, and a lot of them, you know, were really triggered by some old kind of language surrounding their body being something being wrong with it, mm-hmm. then they're taking in this next layer of all the social media messaging on top of it. It's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. And we can't compare you know, I can have two clients in the office at the same time, not that they ever would, but I can't compare the way that they eat to each other because they're completely different humans. They have right. different energies, activities, metabolisms. There's so much more that goes into it versus so-and-so in her likely, I'm going to say, you know, cisgendered female, white body telling us what we're supposed to eat right Right. so diversity is what I'm really encouraging clients to look at broaden your social media find bodies that look like yours because the great thing about social media there's lots of minuses to it but the plus side is there's tons of different body sizes out there you know and different like cultures and there's everything out there so fill your feed with things that make you feel good about yourself and people that you can relate to
0: Yeah. Do you, do you find the sort of like body positive movement on social media to be kind of an effective alternative for young people?
1: Yeah. I've really moved kind of away from body positive into more Mm. of a body liberation and Uh, body acceptance. That's kind of where I find myself where I, where I most fit. And I would, you know, we could spend a long time talking about the roots of body positive, body body positivity. And I, I kind of leave it to To the people who, you know, that's their framework that they've worked from and they brought up and I have been kind of encouraged to use more of a liberation and I understand that and I accept that I've done a lot of. Learning and unlearning of things through this, you know, pandemic too. I think it's been great for that in terms of there's been so many social justice issues Mm -hmm. come up and things that have really caused us to take a step back and you know evaluate kind of our own biases and things that we bring to the table. So body liberation and acceptance is what I aim for with clients. I don't strive for body love. You know, Mm -hmm. I think we all have days where we don't love our bodies. Let's face it. I think even JLo. Perhaps. I don't know. I did see her 52 year old body the other day, um, but even days where, you know what she gets up and doesn't love herself because body image isn't about our body. Mm.
0: Yeah. That's, I think that's an, an interesting way to, so, so liberation then would be simply, simply not like letting go of any sort of positive or negative ideas about our body at all.
1: Exactly. It is embracing you for who you are, right? It's again, talking about that internal versus that, you know, that, that external validation, we're setting ourselves free from the ideas that we need to look like any sort of cookie cutter body that we have been told we need to look like, Mm -hmm. I can really say this summer, now that things have reopened, and I've been downtown a bit kind of, you know, on patios or meeting up with people, I see people wearing clothes that make them feel empowered and powerful and comfortable all different body shapes and sizes and how refreshing it is for me again I'm a 70s baby I grew up with you know Kate Moss and you know that terrible line that you know that I won't even repeat on your podcast that she made go viral back in the days if that wasn't even a thing yet where in this generation we're doing a way better job you guys are doing a way better job of spreading that information that all bodies are good bodies. Health is not a size.
0: Well, and that, and that your, your body does not like, like this, the work that you're doing, right. That it's not, it, it doesn't have to be the most important
1: thing about you either. It is the least. That's yeah. what I say. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Seriously. Well, I you know, I. I think the early two thousands, which is kind of when I was growing up, some of our, our students, maybe are even a little bit younger than that, but like I, that, that era, I remember being, I mean, it was fat phobic. It was homophobic. It was like, you know, like all those comedy films from that time, there's like so much weird, like fat phobic comedy that we, we grew up with, but now we've been lucky enough to, I think unlearn it, Um, Mm -hmm. at least, you know, or at least people are trying to, right. Um, and that's, that's kind of how social media can be good and bad in that sometimes it can perpetuate those same ideas. But if, if you do kind of, as, as you mentioned, just like following the right people, cleansing the timeline, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, that like, maybe, maybe there will be more voices out there that are helping to sort of unlearn all those very sort of toxic ideas.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. yeah.
0: Sorry. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) No, I was just going to say, and I think one of my points I wanted to make sure I said today was have some boundaries, right? Mm. With people, you know, as we reemerge and kind of come out of this cocoon that we've been in, and this goes for everybody and students, as you're getting back together with your families and your friends and seeing all the people tell, it's okay to say, what you need or what is isn't okay for you body comments are not acceptable in my home if somebody makes a comment on body right you know we've raised our family to be like like no we, we we don't accept that we talk about other things around the dinner table or you know other things that we love about each other and especially as we're seeing people for the first time after maybe a long time some of my first comments to family have been you look so happy. You look so refreshed, right? None of these have to be rooted inside. So really have some boundaries for that. Ask for what you need and tell people when things aren't okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, obviously we're touching on a, a little bit here, but I mean, if there, if there are any kind of like additional tips you can throw down for students that are maybe feeling this anxiety right now, we are hearing of a full return to in-person learning in the fall, Uh, you know, for some returning students, they've been in their homes for the past year um, and they might be feeling the same way. So, you know, we got setting boundaries, I think is a great one. Is is there anything else that you would, you know, any message you would send to them?
1: Yeah, I I have a couple. I think you, we touched on a big one already to really be aware of that social media intake, detox, cleanse, whatever you want to call it make it about what feels right for you watch out for that extreme messaging you know that's out there really work on connecting with your own internal cues right take you know if you want to look into intuitive eating and really connecting with your body and how best to nourish it the body comments thing you know be part of the you know the the role modeling for that don't make comments on other people's bodies right Complement them in other ways that aren't rooted in size and really work towards that breakup with diet culture, right? Stay focused on you, what works best for you. Don't get swayed by what's working for everybody else. Health promoting behaviors is what we want to be after. They don't have to be extreme or restrictive, right? Movement doesn't have to be you know, painful and exhausting and excruciating movement can be what feels good for you. So really connect back with your body and remember that diets don't work. And as I said to you earlier, there wouldn't be an X one, right? So when you're getting that pull to get back into the, oh, I got to go into the world again. I need to fix my body. Your body's not the problem. So get clear on what's going on inside. What are you anxious about, right? What's really festering under that? Get curious, dig a little bit deeper start paying attention to those thoughts and how else can we serve our body versus having to manipulate its size.
0: Carrie, how can people find you?
1: They can find me in London, Ontario. I have a brick and mortar business at the corner of Wellington and They can find me on Instagram at Carrie Wilson and it's K-A-R-R-I Wilson, R-H-N. And Facebook, I believe is the same handle as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I, I mean, I could talk about this forever and you know, I, I love the work that you're doing. Um, so, so thank you for being here and for giving our students some, I think really helpful tips for, for coming back into the school year.
1: Oh, thanks Hannah. I'm honored to be there. I always appreciate the invite.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interabang podcast. Catch up with all the latest episodes on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify or on our website and make sure to keep following Interabang on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to keep up with all things Banja.